This is Les Strong, and you're listening to the Full and Focus podcast. Hello, well, away days are back. A scorching Saturday at Molyneux saw the points shared after Mitro's penalty miss. It's two points in two games as the Whites remain unbeaten and sit in mid-table. Joining me are Tristan and Sarge to review Saturday's stalemate and also look ahead to this Saturday's West London derby as we face Brentford for only the second time since Brian's brilliant brace at Wembley. Two from two will do. My name is Wigo and this is your Fulham Focus podcast. Okay, before we get into this episode, we'd like to talk about a very important fundraiser called the Paul Allen Project that has been started by Claire Parrish. On Friday, Claire launched a fundraiser called the Paul Allen Project to enable them to purchase a CPR doll and defibrillator for the project so they can carry out free cardiac arrest life-saving training for all. She is overwhelmed at the generosity friends and strangers have shown so far and thanks them all very much. The idea of the Paul Allen Project is a simple, non-profit organisation where registered medical professionals will provide sessions for free to people that wouldn't normally have access to such training and they can create an army of cardiac lifesavers. Other funds will be spent on venue hire where there is a cost and placing defibrillators where there is a need. Over 30,000 out-of-hospital cardiac arrests happen every year. There is no warning. It can happen regardless of age, gender or race. Anywhere, at any time. Creating an army of lifesavers will give anyone in cardiac arrest a better chance of survival before paramedics arrive on the scene, whether it be shopping in town, at a concert or at home. Claire believes that giving people cardiac arrest lifesaver training for free is the best way to mark her dad's life. The life of a man who would do anything to help anyone. You can check out the Paul Allen Project process by following them on the following channels. Instagram, the underscore Paul underscore Allen underscore project. On Twitter, at Paul Allen Project. And on Facebook, the Paul Allen Project. The fundraiser is shared on their socials. Fulham. Okay, guys. Well, on to the game on Saturday. It was a hot one, wasn't it? Um, Tristan, I did see you there. How did you find the heat sitting in the direct sunlight, 34 degrees? Yeah, it was all right. You can probably still see from my face that I'm a bit uh, a bit red in the face from the from the, from the sun. Yeah, it was pretty hot. Um, we, we were actually in the block nearest the corner, which for, for, for a good chunk of the first half, it was in shade. But then when it when it hit you, it was pretty bad. Um, and obviously Wolves did a did, did a remarkable job in, in making it even hotter in the away end by spraying us all with flame, flamethrowers for five minutes before the kickoff. So, um, yeah, cheers for that. Uh, but yeah, no, <laughs> warm day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had hat, sunglasses, Factor 50 on and... Uh... Yeah, it was still pretty hot. It was a it was a scorcher. Uh, Sarge, how you doing, mate? Obviously, saw the result on Saturday. Did you watch the game? How did you find it? Yeah, managed to managed to catch the game uh, on a uh, on a completely legal stream. Um, it was it was it was a good point. It's one of those 
it could, we could have got away with more, but you'd have taken a point beforehand, so you take a point afterwards, away from home, first away day of the season, take what you can get at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, let's start at the top here. You know, Wolves had some early chances, and in the first five minutes, they were thrown goal twice. You know, the first one was offside, uh, but the second one they did manage to get in behind. Tristan, what did you make of the opening few minutes? From my end, it seemed a little bit nervy. Would you agree? Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say nervy. I thought we actually, from a possession point of view, looked looked more more in control. But we looked really susceptible on the break, and there was just a gaping hole behind behind Tete. Um, the first one never really. I, I, I'm, I'm not even really thinking of that because it, it it was. I mean, from where I was, the guy was like a good ten yard. He was so far offside; it wasn't even close. And uh, you know, I made my normal moany comment to the guy poor bloke stood next to me when I just said you know I don't I just don't understand why the linesman has has let that run for another 10 seconds and Wolves have ended up having like two shots off the back of it before she's she's put the flag up so I didn't I didn't really get that but yeah this the second one we 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 got away with one um he 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 sort of hit it pretty much straight at Rodak and 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 that obviously helped and I, I thought Wolves had the better of it, didn't they? Through 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 the first half, I think chances wise, we had a couple of couple of efforts, but they they they. I don't think on another day, if we if we had have gone in two 0 down, I don't think anyone would have said that would have been particularly unfair, given the chances. But it was weird because it never felt like they were particularly in control. It just felt like we threw them a couple of, you know, chances through through shambolic defending more than anything. Yeah, and Sarge, I mean, Pedro Neto fantasy football owners would have been screaming on Saturday afternoon to see the number seven with an open goal. Um, You know, it was a bit of a muddle up there between Tosin and Marek Rodak. But I think the one thing we've got to give credit for is Tim Ream because he didn't give up there, did he? What did you make of that little passage of play, Um, you know, from the error to the defending? You know, just give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, but Neto's out. He's in my FPL team, so I was a bit, bit, uh, bit happy to not see him score. Obviously, for our sake, but if he had, I'd have kind of just taken the points. But um, I, I think this is going to happen for this team. The way we defend, we are we we do play a high line and we push the fullbacks on, so we are going to give up that space. At this point, the alternative is what we saw last time, which is essentially parkable. We we either have to go and have a go at it and try and win games, or we camp on the edge of our box and hope for the best. We already know that the latter doesn't work. We've seen it before. So I'd rather see us go out there and, you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And in this case, we were a bit lucky. Their finishing wasn't great. They're missing their main striker at the moment. So we got away with it a little bit, but I would rather see us push up the pitch, do what we did, and try and get goals ourselves and camp on the edge of our box just to stop the others. Defensively, we know that there's mistakes in this team. There's going to be mix-ups. There's going to be times when they, you know, don't get things quite right. That's as a result, really, of the panic that sets in when you leave those spaces. But again, I'd rather this than the alternative. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we've spoken a lot about Fulham's defending, I suppose, or Wolves getting in behind. But there was very little in the way of attack for Fulham, wasn't there? You know, we kept the ball quite well. I'd say Jao Polinia sprayed a couple of fantastic passes. Um, and I said the closest we came in the first half was a Bobby Reed header that was cleared off a line and ended up in the path of Mitro. Now, from where I was sat, it looked like he missed 
you know, an open goal essentially. But actually watching the replays, it was a very difficult header for him. Um, I mean, I thought Bobby Reid scored as well. Tristan, I don't know how, how your view was. Did you think that had gone in as well? Yeah, the the, the, the initial header, I think I, I didn't, I felt like he, the, the, the ball had kind of come into the wrong position for Mitro. And then obviously I haven't, haven't seen that. That was probably right. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd slightly disagree that I, I don't, I don't, I don't think Wolves were put, I'd like, I, I, we're, and we're going to talk about, you know, there's obviously a couple of clear incidents that we're going to talk about second half, but just the game generally, I don't, if, if, if Wolves are someone you accept are going to be probably ninth to 14th, that's, that's where you, most people would probably expect them. I didn't see loads there to really worry me. I think that, that, you know, anything they had, we pretty much gave to them we're, we're, I think if you're realistic, we've got five or six players in that team that aren't going to be first choice players, you, you, you know, through throughout the season. I.e., it wasn't our best team out there, or what what our best team's going to look like. So, the, to go there and get a a, a, a point when we, are, we we've given them a couple of chances, and on another day, you know, we, we, again we'll talk about it. But the Mitro, you, you, you know, the penalty, I've seen us win Nick games one nil you know many times over the years where where we've been a, a, a worse tie a, a worse team compa- compared to the opponents than than Saturday it wouldn't have been as much of a smash and grab as as, as we've seen sometimes in the past so you you know i i'm i was quite bullish after Saturday and i was a little bit surprised that there 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 was there seemed to be a bit of a negative um kind of opinion from from camps on social media because I I actually didn't think there was a lot between the teams and if Wolves are established and comfortable mid-table then I think it it, it boded well. Yeah I I certainly thought it was a well-earned point as well and I do think it was probably a fair result on the balance of play but you know going into half-time I do think we were quite lucky to still be nil-nil on the balance of play I think that is fair to say. Uh, Second half a little bit dull, few chances, Morgan Gibbs-White put a ball over the bar from about six yards after a great ball from Ike Nori. And it was the Wolves left back who conceded a penalty in the 80th minute after fouling Bobby Deck or David Reed. Sarge, clear as day, wasn't it? A definite penalty. The ref and VAR got this one right. Yeah, I actually think Bobby Reed did really well to, to win it. You know, as much as sort of defenders give penalties away, attackers win penalties as well. Mitrovic won the penalty against Van Dijk, and I thought Bobby Reed did the same. He shifted the ball nicely, positioned his body between the, you know, the ball and the defender, and he he drew the tackle and basically bought the foul. Um, yeah, I don't think there can be any complaints. There weren't any complaints really. You know, he knew straight away the lad. He didn't even protest it. He sort of gave a half-hearted shrug of the shoulders, but he knew. Um, it's just a shame we didn't didn't tuck it away. And Tristan was saying, you know. We've nicked games off of not playing so well before. If we think back to when we came up under Slav and we, the, you know, the Middlesbrough game, Holly Norwood's penalty. Those points can be very, very useful, and they just they just build momentum, and that's why it is a bit frustrating. Um, I know, you know, we have to be happy. I agree completely that we have to be happy with how we started. We have to really take the positives out of what we've seen. There is one part of me that just kind of thinks. When you're given those gifts, you really should take them. I mean, it could have been six points, couldn't it? Let's be, you know, I don't think we're blowing smoke up our own asses here. We could have had six points from the first two games. But in the grand scheme of things, if you'd asked me before the start of the season, would you take two points from the first two games? I'd snap your hand off still. And we're sat in 13th place. 
I believe, in the table, which is still, you know, a decent place to be. All right, many games to go still, but I'm happy with the start. And uh, we're not bottom like the Northerners, uh, the Manchester Red Devils. Uh, Tristan, go on, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I, 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 you know, a couple of points there. One, yeah, we could have won six points, but equally, you know, let's be fair, we could have had none because, you know, Liverpool have hit the bar in the last minute. They did create chances in that second half. And and as we've already discussed, we were probably quite lucky to not go in at least one, maybe two behind on Saturday. So I think that goes either way. And and actually, I think I always, because <laughs> I'm a geek, um, I always look at things from a kind of almost par point of view we've got. And, and, and I would say, you know, for Fulham being where we are at the moment, um, a, a point at home to one of the best two or three clubs in the league and a point away at a comfortable mid-table side is probably above par. And I think, you know, if you were to say, would you expect the other promoted sides or sides that are going to be in and around us to get those two points from those two games? I think, again, you'd probably say no. You'd probably look at that if when, when they play those games and the table's a bit more advanced. that You'd be hoping that Liverpool beat, you know, I, I don't know, a Bournemouth or a Southampton. And you'd hope that Wolves at home would do the same. So I think, you know, for me, I, I'd like to look at it like that. The other thing that I wanted to say was, was was actually just to say something about Luke's point, um, you know, about momentum. And I think the worst thing for me Saturday was it was a double whammy because you always feel like Mitro's a different player when he's got momentum as well. And I just desperately hope that hasn't sucked it, sucked it out of him a little bit because he would he would have been so confident after the Liverpool game. And what we don't need going into Brentford is, is a Mitro who's not, you know, confident and and happy to put chances away, especially seeing as at the current rate we're going to get thirty eight penalties this season. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, on the penalty itself, uh, Tristan, is it a good save or is it a bad penalty or is there argument for both? How would you look at that one? Well, I, th- I, th- I think any save that's not down the keeper's throat is probably a good save in isolation. But I don't think it was a good penalty. I think he went off of. What's been working for him, which is down hard, low into the corner, and he's kind of gone that. I, I, I played in goal a little bit, you know, and 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 if you are ever facing a penalty, then something kind of mid height is is actually easier to save than something down low on the floor. So, yeah, it wasn't a good penalty, and uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not quite sure why he's changed from that low into either corner because it has, you know, he, 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 people say they never they're never that confident with Mitrovic taking penalties because he's at, he's now at a bit of a run where he's he's scoring most of them since a bit of a horror show, you know, eighteen months or so ago before. Yeah, and and you say about that about what people have been saying, and I've seen people say that Mitrovic shouldn't be taking penalties, which I quite frankly think is a load of rubbish. And I was seeing people pull out stats about what way the keeper's gone every time, etc. Load of rubbish. I personally still think he should be our penalty taker. Sarge, do you agree? Yeah, hundred percent. He's the number nine. He scored before the weekend. He scored seven of his last eight. He actually missed one early doors last season against Stoke, if you remember. And that didn't rattle him. You know, he took the next one and, and he was he was off and running again. It's it's just one of those things. And this thing about like, oh, it's easy to know which way he's going. The keepers generally go the right way with him. It doesn't matter if they go the right way if he puts it in the corner. Allison went the right way last week. He got nowhere near it. So that, that sort of thing doesn't really bother me. I always think as a penalty taker, you pick your spot and you go that spot. And even if the keeper goes the right way, if you take a good enough penalty, they won't save it. Um, 
yeah, he has to take him. Who else? Who else going to take it? Who else in the team is going to take it? The only other potential option is Cabano, but he's not really got any sort of record for taking them. I know he took one in pre-season. He's not. He's not recognised as a penalty taker. So it'd be a massive risk to put it on someone else at this point. When every goal counts, every point counts. He's the man that you want taking your penalties. He scored forty-three goals last season. He scored seven odd penalties in all of that. It, you know, it's it's beyond question that he is the penalty taker as far as I'm concerned. Do you know what? I, I think even if Harry Wilson was fit and on the pitch, because Harry Wilson has taken penalties before, it's still no debate. It's still no debate at all. It, it goes to Mitrovic every day of the week for me. He could miss three in a row. I'd still give him the next penalty I, and wouldn't give it to a Boobkar Kamara anymore, that's for sure, as much as he tried to take it off Mitrovic. Yeah, go on, Tristan. I was going to say, I, I, I probably, and, and, and being... You know how much of a Mitro fan I have been for about twelve years. It probably surprised you, but I'm a little less kind of in agreement with you. I'd, I'd, I'd still have him, and 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 actually to the point that that, that Luke, you know, who else are you going to have? But I think that's almost why I'd have him because I don't really see anyone else in the squad that jumps out that would be a clear better choice. I mean, we all remember the the, the Jukanovic playoff season. Uh, what was that? So was that 12 penalties we missed and eight different players missed them and stuff like that? You know, there's still a few of them in the squad. We had the, the, the season under Parker in the Premier League where another three or four different players missed Ben. So I, I think, you know, there's, <laughs> there's definitely something psychological with Fulham and, 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 and penalties. But yeah, I can't see anyone else in the squad that just jumps out. Maybe maybe if we'd seen a bit more of someone like Pereira taking them, or, but, but we haven't. And and I think with Mitrovic, you know, if you get 10, 10 penalties, he's probably going to score seven or eight of them. And, and, and that should be enough for us. Yeah, absolutely. And on Mitrovic, I think you could tell he was cutting a frustrated figure, wasn't he, for the rest of the game? And I think that showed, committed a foul on Morgan Gibbs-White and then went head-to-head with the Wolves midfielder. Um, I thought straight away from where I was sat, I thought he's gone here. And that's three games out, violent conduct. So I was shocked when he only got a yellow card, actually. But that was on first watch. Looking at it uh, from a replay, it does look like Gibbs White has sort of gone in with his head first. So a yellow seems fair for both players. Sarge, um, what do you think? Did you think Mitro was off there or is a yellow fair? I didn't think he was off. It's not what Nunes did, is it? He didn't He didn't plant one on him. They just, they just got in each other's faces. Um it it was clear that he was frustrated. The the only argument for a red is two yellows, isn't it? It's a yellow for the foul and then a yellow for the the afters. But I, you know, referees very rarely do that. We've seen it a couple of times, but referees are really reticent to to dish out two yellow cards in sort of one fell swoop. Um, look, it's part of his game. People say, oh, you know, it's risky to all this stuff. He's he's not been sent off for us. Um, he's had a couple of suspensions where he's totted up yellow cards. Did he get a retrospective ban when he yeah when again, he again, elbowed again, Ben please. White that time? Yeah, yeah. Um, but aside from that, you know, he's he's been absolutely fine. You can't take it out of his game. If you take it out of his game, you lose what makes him so good. You know, people say it about players all the time. Rooney was the same. Rooney had it in him. Gerrard had it in him. Good players at that level, Roy Keane is probably the prime example, sometimes they need that edge, they need that little bit of fire, they need that little bit of just angst in them, and it 
it balances out over the course of a season. You get far more good from it than you do bad. So, yes, he is a player that plays on the edge, but he needs to be there to be what we want him to be, I think. And he's done a very good job in the time that he's been at the club to, to stay on the right side of the line. And he got close to the line at the weekend, but I, I don't think he went over it. Um, and I, I, I don't think it was worthy of a red. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think there's... Like, I the one thing I'd say Saturday is I think the ref let a lot go anyway. So actually, in the context of that being the case for most of the game, I didn't feel at the time it was going to be a red because, you know, we'd spent the whole game watching him allow people kicking Tete's legs out from under him. And there were a couple of fouls that had happened through the game. But, you know, Polina got a yellow card on what was his probably third yellow card tackle, to be, to, to be quite honest. So I think there was a... Um, and with Mitro... I just feel like a lot of this is is legacy reputation anyway. I don't, I don't, and I include our own fans in this because obviously, you know, again, the same. There's been a lot of people saying, "Oh, he's lucky not to get sent off." I can't even count on you know the, the fingers of all my family the number of Fulham players I've seen over the last ten years, let alone you know last thirty, squaring up to to other players because something's niggled them or whatever. And, you know, I'll go back older than the new guys, but I go back as far as Gary Brazil, who was who was known to be a bit, you know, he didn't like a tackle and all the rest of it. But I've seen him square up to people. So I think, you know, a player squaring up to another player in a, in a frustrating, niggly battle, most of the time no one raises an eyebrow at it. And... and you know, with 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 Mitro straight away, it's oh, is he going back to his bad old ways? And I think there's there's definitely a bit of a legacy attitude within there. Okay, guys, we've spoken a lot about Mitrovic. Just very briefly, I want to talk about some of the defenders. Now, I want to talk about Anthony Robinson. Now, I did say this this last season. It might have only been a few times, but I did say it. He was outstanding, um, and he was outstanding on Saturday. Sarge, just give me sort of your brief thoughts on him and the defensive performance as a whole, because we took the draw in the end, I think it's fair to say. You know, we were happy with a point. So, yeah, very briefly, thoughts on the defensive performance, especially Robinson. I thought he was brilliant. I'm a I'm a Jedi apologist. I've always said that he's a great defender. Um, you know, I challenge people to find me times when he gets beaten one-on-one. It doesn't happen. He positions himself well. His body shape is good when he doesn't have the ball. He's quick as anything, so you can't just knock it past him and run. And he's strong. He wins headers. Defensively, he's a very, very good defender. Um, And he's not as bad going forward as people make out either. Yes, there's a few dodgy passes, but he's he's nowhere near as bad as people make out. Um, As a unit, I think we defend a lot better at the moment than we have done in the past in the sense that we still offer something going forward, but there is a shape to the team. I think at times, certainly when we first came up under Slav, we didn't defend as a unit. It was kind of left to defenders to defend and he wanted his attackers to attack. And that's where we came undone. Um, that kind of bore itself out when he decided to play Callum Chambers right back because he thought having another centre-back in the back four was going to make us more defensively solid. That's not how football works. You have to defend as a team, as a unit. And we're doing that. We have a shape. We know what that shape is. That shape does leave us a little bit vulnerable, as it did in the first half. But the players know what their jobs are. They get back in. They surround. Even when they get in behind us, Tim Ream was you know, an example you gave earlier. Tim Ream getting back when it looked like Neto was going to put it in an empty net. 
that when we lose the ball, when they do get in behind us, we get bodies back in, we get back around the goal, and we don't make it easy for teams to score. And that's that's the key thing. And as a team, everyone knows what their job is when we don't have the ball. And yes, it leaves us open, but ultimately we have a system and we defend in that system. Lovely. So, lads, just want to get your man of the match for the Wolves game. Tristan, who would you go for? It's a bit of a coin toss for me because it's. I, I think there was a lot of sixes and sevens in there and, and, and not much outside that range. Um, I'd probably be looking at... at I, I don't... I, I, I'd struggle to give it to a defender just because we gave away three or four like silly chances. So I'd probably go either Polina or, or, or Reed. I'd probably stick with Polina this week. Very nice, mate, Sarge. I, I'd go Robinson. I thought he was I thought he was very, very good. Thought he offered an outlet going forward as well. It was one there was one thing that knocked Robinson out for me, and I've I've mentioned it a couple of times on Twitter. There was one move in the first half where he picked up the ball on the halfway line and Cabano's gone racing outside him and he had three or four seconds to play him into space and he ended up running into like three defenders and it was it was really, really frustrating for me. So yeah, he had a great game, but that one incident knocks him down to a seven for me. I don't remember that. Must have been the heat. So uh, I'm going to have a second vote for Robinson as well. But, you know, don't tell anyone. Um, I'm not going I'm not going soft. Uh, right guys I just want to talk about transfers briefly um, you know we're lacking a bit on the wings now Wilson obviously being out for about another six weeks or so five or six weeks uh, and Solomon now out until probably after the World Cup so we ended up starting with Deco Dover Reed and Cabano on the wings on Saturday and Stansfield came on made his Premier League debut who played quite well by the way on the right wing We've been linked with William and Justin Cliver. So, Sarge, coming to you, are you happy with the links? Is there anyone out there, realistically, you know, we're not talking Messi and Neymar here, um, anyone realistically that you would like us to sign that you think could potentially be a starter and make a, you know, make a stake of a claim for a first-team spot? Because the likelihood is, when Wilson and Solomon are fit, they're going to be our starters, aren't they? But, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on it? It's It's really hard. I think... As a fan base, we sometimes forget our station a little bit when we start suggesting transfer targets. I've seen people saying, oh, Chelsea might be offloading Pulisic. Maybe we should go for him. Yeah, brilliant. Pulisic is probably not coming to Fulham. He is going to go to a team that's playing European football because he's a very good footballer. And that's the level that he's been at. He was at Dortmund before he was at Chelsea. He's he's not really looking to come to a relegation battle, even though we are five minutes down the road, as convenient as it may be. So the Cliver and the Willian links make sense. People don't like this guy as, as much as, as some others may have done at other clubs that he managed. But Martin Yole made a very good point when he was manager. And he said that at Fulham, what you need to do is get good players when they're not at their best and then hope that you can be the ones that bring them back up. Um, because that's, that's where we're at. We're not, we're not the most attractive our yo-yo status is going to put some players off. I, I think these these links make sense. Willian, you know, his age and profile, he's clearly on the downside of his career, but not good enough for Arsenal doesn't mean not good enough for Fulham. Cliver is a player who clearly has had potential in his career. It hasn't quite gone the way you'd hope it would. Maybe 
you know, he needs an arm around him and a manager to show a bit of belief. And Marco Silva's shown that he's that sort of manager. He does bring players on, gives them the confidence to go out and do it. Pereira's in a very similar situation. We'll see how that plays out. Clivert could be similar. Um, we clearly do need to bring players in those positions. And we probably do need two because you can't be having Tyrese Francois come on as a wide player. He's, he's not a wide player. He's a central midfielder. And I think most people wouldn't be particularly happy if he was playing central midfield for us at the moment. So how can you ask him to go and play out of position? So these, these links make sense. They're about where we're at. In terms of who else we could bring in, I don't know. I don't really like to play scout. But I think we need to just remember where we're at in terms of who we could realistically attract. I don't know what you're on about, mate. Christian Pulisic is the latest member of Full America. I believe in it. <laughs> um, Tristan, in, in my opinion, I, I felt like we were a little bit short in some areas and that certainly felt that way on Saturday. Obviously, Pereira, I think it's fair to say he wasn't really at the races on Saturday. Um, you know, potentially lacking in a number 10, maybe in the central midfield area because the bench, in my opinion, is lacking game changers. What, what's your opinion on that? Well, I think I'd almost... You know, I'm going to be really boring here. I kind of echo what, what what Luke said in some ways about remembering our station, and more importantly, remembering the fact that you know we've got we've still got FFP to contend with. And I think I I cannot see. I mean, everyone's got their own, and and you have to interpret because it's a three year rolling figure, and you know there's there's one year of those that the accounts haven't published, so you have to do some, uh, you know, kind of proxy summations of, of what the spend is but I said at the start of the window I thought the absolute top end that we could spend would be a, would be the equivalent of about 95 million and then that would obviously have to be cleverly amortized and and you know so I don't think there's loads and loads of money to do it so so I think yeah we, we, we're absolutely in an ideal world there's six or seven players you'd want to bring in I think realistically, we're, we're probably only going to be able to see two or three in. I wouldn't have necessarily said that a winger was a priority previously because you'd have the four, you'd have Wilson and, and Solomon and the, and the two lads that have been playing. And then, you know, if no one wants Cavalero and Knockart, you've got them floating around the club somewhere. But now I think, you know, one of those two or three in's got to be a winger. Um, I think you know centre back. We might have liked one more, but now we've we you know we've got the two in. I think again it can't be the priority. So yeah, I think definitely we need cover in that defensive. If you're playing with two as the pivot, you need one of them to have cover, um, a winger, and and I think you know it's that dark art of trying to find someone that can back up Mitro, but is going to be happy enough to sit on the bench for most of the season. So he's got to be good enough to play when he needs to. But And that's been the difficult thing with filling that position for a long time. Um, it's whether the club think that there's enough in the youngsters to um, to, to be able to fulfil that role. And, and I'm, not, I'm not sure we haven't seen enough of them yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, latest links have us linked to Neil Malpay from Brighton, ex-Brentford. You know, £15 million seems like a lot for a backup. Anyway, we are going to take a short break, and after that we will talk about Brentford at home in the West London derby. Fulham. Okay guys, on to Brentford on Saturday. Three o'clock kickoff. Uh, quite surprised it's not been moved uh, to the TV, but there we go, I'm pretty happy with it. 
I don't think we can talk about playing Brentford without talking about that famous night at Wembley, can we? You know, we're all watching it through our TVs, unfortunately, but what a fantastic game. Sarge, we'll ne- even though we were watching it from home, never forget it, will we? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's it's um, something that we'll hold over them forever, I think. We, we beat them in their big game. Um, we'd been there before. I'm so happy that we'd had the two years earlier because it would have been absolutely killer if the time that the club got to Wembley and played in a meaningful, you know, cup final essentially at Wembley and no one was able to attend. So I'm, I'm so happy that we had that two years prior. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great memory. It's, it's, it's something that kind of punctuates what, what will be remembered as a really weird time in our lives, won't it? You know, the COVID lockdowns and everything. And I'll always remember that, you know, that 2020 lockdown because Joe Bryan put it in the Brentford net. It's, um, it's the standout memory of, of that period of time alongside uh, my son was born just before we went into lockdown. So that's why I can say that. But alongside sort of being a dad for the first time and, um, and him coming into the world around that time. It, yeah, it just stands out and we'll always have that over them. We we beat them in the big game. They can beat us in league games. They can beat us in Carabao Cup games. We beat them in the game and that will always stand. Yeah, I, I was at Wembley on Friday watching Cole play. First time I've been there since the Villa playoff final. And I'm sure I saw a wild David Rea still diving across the end of the stadium trying to save Joe Bryan's free kick. Uh, Tristan, I feel like no matter what happens on Saturday, no matter the result, we'll always have that day, won't we? Yeah. Do you agree on that or are we just living in the past there? Um, no, I, I, football club, the football's fans always do. I mean, you speak to any older Brentford fans and they'll still blather on about the four nearly in 91 that if, if you know, oh, no, sorry, 91, 92, that stopped us getting in the playoffs and got them promoted. And so, so I think, you know, you, you hold on to what you can in these, these rivalries, didn't you? So yeah, no, I agree. I think Parker's finest moment, probably, probably Brian's finest moment as well. So yeah, no, it was a, it was good. It was a shame that we had to play him again about three competitive games later and get the spanking we did in the, in the Carabao cup. But um, an interesting statistic that I'll bore you with is that the last time we, um, we, we we played Brentford in the league. It was the League Cup then. We didn't then go on to to, to lose to them for another five or six. I think it was six competitive games. In, if you include the autoglass or five, if if you don't. So uh, so there you go. So hopefully we'll follow that up this time. That would be nice, wouldn't it? And yeah, as you say, last time we did play them, I think it was three 0 wasn't it? We got absolutely yeah. battered. I want to say Ben Rama's last game for Brentford. So. You know, we have been to the Lego house before and talking of the Lego house, Brentford's home ground, of course, I don't think it's called anything else. Um, They've just won 4-0 against Man United. Now, no matter the state of Manchester United Football Club right now, I think it's always a big scalp. Sarge, no pun intended when I say scalp. Um, (laughs) Do you think Brentford are going to be... Brentford are going to be on cloud nine, aren't they, going into Saturday full of confidence? As, as I say, you know, United might be on the floor, but 4-0 against a team of that size, a club of that size, they're going to be, they're going to be ready to rumble, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to, they're going to be buzzing. I, there is something to be said, though, of the, of the come down after a game like that. We've seen it as, you know, as, as a fan of a, a club of, you know, a similar size, we're definitely bigger, but a similar size. You, you put in a big performance against a big team and then sometimes you do come crashing back down to earth the next week, you know. 
they had it at home. The crowd were behind them. They got the momentum. They scored early goals. You know, it, it was everything went their way um, at the weekend. And, you know, credit to them. They took full advantage of it. They did what they needed to do. They're not going to have that this weekend. Craven Cottage is going to be bumping. It's, you know, it's, it's a derby in the Premier League. We're at home. Fans are still going to be, you know, pretty buzzing off of the Liverpool result. That was the last time we played at home, what performance that was. So we're riding a wave as well. I think it's going to be a very different game. They won't have it all their own way the way they did against United at the weekend. I think they'll they'll have a bit of a come down. They'll have had a week where, you know, training, they have to, you know, they're all going to say, oh, yeah, you know, it's just one game. We move on to the next one. We know that that's not how it works. Human emotion doesn't work like that. They'll be buzzing and there will be a bit of a come down that they've now got to play another sort of middling, lower-end team. So we just have to make sure that we do what we do. If we play the way we played against Liverpool, it doesn't really matter what they do. I mean, I'm still buzzing about when we beat Man United about 12 or 13 years ago, 3-0. Zamora and Duff were cutting Murphy as well with some great goals. Uh, Tristan, they have played away already this season at Leicester and they were 2-0 down. And they come back and made it 2 all against a Leicester side, which I think could struggle this year, but that's a topic for another day. Um, it does show that they've got, you know, they've got the fight away from home. Do you think they're going to bring that this week? They're going to, you know, they're going to be up for it, West London Derby. We've not got a particularly good record against them. You know, how do you think they're going to be? Obviously, you know, following on from what Sarge has said there about their 4 0 win. Yeah, I, you know, I think it'd be a tough game. I, I, I think um, they're 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 a, I, no Fulham fan will like saying it, but they're a good side. They've got a good players. They're well managed, and they'll cause us a lot of problems. I think you know we. But but to Luke's point, I think if we we're on our game, we'll 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 we certainly aren't going to roll over, and we're not going to allow them to, you know cause us problems just for the sake of it. I think you also look at United and that, you know, they've had a they've had a goalkeeper who's usually pretty good throw one in to give them a, a, a head start and then, you know, a, a player banging a free kick that is going to go over the bar eight times out of ten. So I think, you know, every, it, it, sometimes you'll get a game where everything falls right. That was probably one of them. Um you you, you know, for Brentford. So they're not going to be as good as that every week, absolutely. The record, I, I think, concerns me more than anything because we, you know, it's 30, 32 years since we've beaten them at the cottage. Um, they're, they're kind of, it's a bit like the Bristol City thing where neither side would 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 win at their own ground for years. Only, you know, Brentford have won a few at theirs, but our record at Griffin Park was 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 much better than our record at the cottage, which isn't saying a lot. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'd be tough. I think they're they're it'd be. I don't think you can say any game like that will be as tough as the the Liverpool game, or or shouldn't be. But I think it'll be up there. I, th- I don't I don't think that there's going to be many mid table side uh, games against mid table sides. Sorry, that'll be harder than than this. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose you could say it's a battle in a mini league, isn't it? Because I think there's probably about eight teams that are going to be fighting this year. Eight, maybe too many, but that's my opinion. Um, Sarge, you know, in this. Going into battle, West London derby, would you make any changes to the lineup? I know the defence have performed quite well the last two games, but I think there's only so long that Leno can be kept out of the team. I know Marek Rodak is still performing very well. The same can be said for Tim Ream and Tosin as well. Um, you know, and we've got Duffy and Diop on the bench. 
is this the right time to bring them in? Would you stick with what we've already, you know, done the last couple of games? How would you, if you were in Marco Silva's shoes right now, or on Saturday, however, how would you how would you play it? What would you go for? I wouldn't change any of the back four. If it was Michael, I would I would bring in Leno. And that's not to say that Rodak hasn't done well. Um, he has done very well. But I, I don't buy into this idea that we stick with players until they lose their spot. Not at this level, not when there's points to be played for. This Brentford game is a perfect example of what the Premier League is. And Wolves was another example of that as well, to be fair. There are no gimmies in this league. You cannot expect to win any game. So Brentford, looking at the fixture list at the start of the season, you look at our first six games and you're saying that's a tough tough start. You start picking out the games where you think you can pick up points. Brentford and Brighton are games that you'd, you'd have highlighted. Well, Brighton have been good at the start of this season and are a very good and well-coached team. Brentford have started the season well, are a very well-coached team. Wolves are the same. There are no There are no games where you can just say, yeah, we're going to win that one. So we have to make the most of every opportunity we have. And I think the way you do that is by playing your best team. At this point, I wouldn't change the back four because of their understanding. They've played together a long time and they are doing well. The goalkeeper, I would, I think you can change that a bit easier. Leno's been in the building a little while now. He's got to know his teammates. He is a very, very good goalkeeper. I, would, I wouldn't wait for a road at mistake essentially to, to make that change. I would, I would make it now. The rest of the team, I think kind of picks itself at this point with what we've got available. I'd stick with everyone else in sort of the outfield 10. Um, and then I think Stansfield is a, is a good option from the bench at this point. We don't have a lot of options there, but I think he's quite a good one. He's lively. He's young. He's confident. He'll, he'll try something. So yeah, I'd keep it as it is aside from the keeper. Yeah, and Tristan, same question to you. Any lineup changes? You know, will we see any new signings before Saturday as well? But I mean, it'd be very unlikely if they start, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would have thought so. I, I slight, slightly different to to, to Mister Sergeant there. In he, he, I agree totally about Leno, and I'm, I was a little bit surprised he didn't start against Wolves. Actually, I, I, I was kind of expecting the change there, but yeah, I, I, I don't think Rodak's particularly done anything wrong, but I think. You, you, you know, we can't afford to wait for him to fl- fr- throw in a a, a howler. Um, the the only the only it's a, cu- a couple of slight differences. I think most of the outfield, I'd I'd say, and Barbu, I think is is a question for me. I think possibly rotating the right back. I think he's a bit pacier than than than, than Tete, and I think Brentford come at you with pace down the wings. So I think that 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 could be what you want there in, in, in that game. And and I just, I, I don't know, do you possibly look at Kearney for Pereira just simply because he's played in, you know, derbies before, he understands a bit about the Brentford thing and, you know, I don't, I don't know how much of relevance that will play in, 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 into it, but I'd, I'd possibly, you know, I, I think Kearney for, for Pereira might be one I'd look at, but I, I'd probably edge towards keeping with, with, with Pereira in that case. I'd I'll jump on a bandwagon as well. I'd like to see Luke Harris on the bench. To be honest, I think he'd be an interesting one to to bring on, especially given what's happened yesterday with him. And you know, we might as well see him before Liverpool sign him, right? Yeah, exactly. Jurgen Klopp is chomping at the bit, ready and waiting to snap up <laughs> another Fulham Academy prospect. Um, 
Tristan, going to come to you first. I want to get your score prediction for this one. What, what are you thinking? Two all. I'm going to. I'm going for another two all again. I I, I think. Um, yeah, I I I I go two all. I think we might we might nick a nick a late last fifteen minute equaliser. Interesting, Sarge. What are you thinking? I'm. I think we're going to win this one. I think we're going to get off get off the board on the win. I think we're going to win two nil, but I don't think it's going to be like a comfortable two nil routine win. I think it's going to be a get one nil up have some really hairy, scary moments and then maybe catch them again late on when they're putting pressure on us. Um, I, I agree with Tristan. I think it's going to be a very tough game. Like I said, there's no easy games in this league. Um, it, Tristan made a good point about Tom Kearney, actually, that I'd just like to touch on. There are there are pros and cons to Tom Kearney in a game like this. Pros in the sense that we are going to get pressed and Kearney is quite press resistant in terms of his ability to keep the ball. Um but then the con is is that that we like to press and and he's not the best at that. So it's it's, mm. it's you know what what do you what do you value more? What we do with the ball or what we do without the ball? Um, and that will be a decision for Marco Silva to make. That you know he'll he'll have to he'll have to work out. But yeah, I think I think with the crowd behind us, we can win this game. I think we'll have to come through some hairy moments. But I think this is this is where we get off to a run, and it's the sort of game that if we do have aspirations of staying up, that we do have to think about winning because you don't want to start getting into four or five games and still having not won. I'll, the, 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 one, the one positive, guys, is that I'm actually on holiday, so it's going to be the first Brentford home game I've missed since um, the last time we beat them <laughs> at the cottage. So Thank you. I've, Fantastic news, I, I actually worked this out today. I've been at every single Fulham versus Brentford game at, at the cottage. <laughs> since the last time we beat them in 1990. So there you go. Um, if that's not an omen. <laughs> I hope you have a fantastic holiday. And don't rush back, Tristan, if it uh, if it means <laughs> we can get some wins on the board. I'm personally going to say, I'd love to say 2-1 and the Joe Bryan double. But, uh, you know, we're living in the past a little bit there. I'm going to go, I'm going to go a 3-1 win. I think this is a moment, this is the time we get off the board. And uh, I've got one of my best friends, shout out to Dom is a Brentford season ticket holder and I'm seeing him on Saturday night and hopefully he will be as glam as he was when we beat him in the playoff final. So um, if you're listening, hi Dom, hope you're doing well, mate. Right, well, that's your lot for this week, folks. Big thanks to Tristan and Sarge for joining me. Don't forget to have a look on social media at the Paul Allen Project to find out what Claire is doing for defibrillator and CPR training. It really is a worthwhile cause, so if you can spare anything at all, then donations are greatly appreciated. We'll be back next week to review the Brentford game and also look ahead to Crawley away in the Carabao Cup and then Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium on the following Saturday. Cheers. Cheers.